0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hey guys, welcome to The Collective. Good morning. Happy Monday. I had to think about that for a sec. I was like, what day does this episode come out on? Happy Monday. Welcome back to our third ever collective episode. If you're new here and you don't know what that is, it's basically an episode by you guys for you guys. It's an episode that I have no sponsors, no ads, no pre-planned topic. I just simply answer all the questions that you guys have submitted into the Google form. Personally, these episodes are my favorite because I feel like they're the best way that I get to communicate with you and I get to hang out with you and just kind of shoot the breeze and have some girl talk, and I just absolutely love these episodes, so let's get right into it. Okay, first and foremost, I posted on the podcast Insta. I also talked about it in the group chat with all the girlies, but we need to just casually and quickly discuss the Hailey Bieber versus Selena Gomez TikTok drama because if you're like me, your entire feed for the past two weeks have been an in-depth analysis of this feud and I'm just so, I'm so invested. I've never been so invested in people's lives. I know that it actually doesn't matter to me or pertain to me or affect me in any way, but I am going to fully indulge in the drama. And so I got the question saying, are you still a Haley stan? Because if you know me, you know that I met her at the Forbes 30 Under 30 conference. You know that I really, really am just like the biggest fan. I wanted her to wear HC all the time. She has an HC set and I want her to put it on and freaking wear it out in public. Has not done that yet, but we are patiently waiting. And she was my style icon for a hot minute. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm still a stan. I don't know because I think a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, obviously, we don't know the actual context. We don't know the actual story behind anything, but I do see how she can be a mean girl. I do see how, like, her and Kendall Jenner could be mean girls, but I don't know them personally, so I don't know. And then also... I want to say the comparisons between her and Selena and how Selena would wear a dress and then Hailey would wear it right after and all of that, some of them are a little freaky, but I did see a TikTok that was like, Selena drank water, so Hailey drank water. And I thought that was so funny because, of course, we're going to take every little thing that they do and just compare it to each other. I will say, though, that in the group chat, one of the girlies sent a message saying that Rode, her skincare line, has nut oils in the products and they don't advertise it. And as an anaphylactic nut allergy girly, this is very concerning. So I looked it up and apparently there was one girl that used her lip gloss and had a reaction broken in hives and every time i've used it i've noticed that i have gotten like a little itchy but i thought that that was just kind of like the product working (laughs) but apparently it was never advertised and i went onto her website and i looked it up and it one of the frequently asked questions which we don't know if that's now a frequently asked question or if that's always been on the site i have no idea But it said, do you use nuts? And they basically said, no, we don't use any nuts that are part of like the FDA allergy list, but we do use tree nut oils. And I was like, so you do, so you do use nut oils. And that's just kind of alarming and concerning because I think so many people are allergic to nuts and none of us had any idea that this was in her products, which could kill someone. It's very, very dangerous. So that kind of put me off of it. I haven't been using my lip peptide or anything for a while, but I just think it's some wild drama and I'm fully invested and my TikTok feed is literally just about them. Okay, but question number two is struggling with always feeling exhausted to the point where I have no will to get up, especially in the afternoons. I beat myself up for being lazy until like 9pm, then I obsessively start doing anything and everything that could be considered productive, even if it means cleaning the smallest, most random thing, or completely reorganizing a kitchen cabinet just because it feels like I'm accomplishing something. What you got for me, girl? Okay, so first, whoever wrote this, same, literally same. I was talking to Dean and my mom literally yesterday and I was saying that I am so exhausted and it's not just the exhaustion where I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling like a little tired. It's like my whole body is just not functioning. It's just not working very well and literally the same midday, probably around like 3, 4 p.m., I could actually go to bed. I actually feel like I could go to bed and I could sleep all the way through until 7am the next day. Like I am so exhausted. I have insane brain fog. And what I've personally deduced it to is adrenal fatigue. Now I will say, obviously, I'm not a doctor. As we all know, that's not happening. And adrenal fatigue, it's not actually a medical diagnosis. It's more of like a lay term. But basically, I feel like I have had such high cortisol levels in my body to the point that my adrenals aren't working as properly as they should. And literally, what I think I need to do is reduce my stress because cortisol is your stress hormone. So, these are some things that I have actually started doing to hopefully try and balance out that fatigue feeling that I've been having lately. So, the first thing I've been doing, which (laughs) sucks it sucks so much but I've been reducing my caffeine intake so I've been cutting back on my coffee I've also been cutting back on my pre-workout which actually sucks because I love pre-workout, like I actually (laughs) crave pre-workout, which honestly is probably a sign that it's too much. So I've been doing half a scoop of pre-workout instead of a full scoop, and I've been doing a smaller cup size of coffee every day instead of my massive venti size coffee. Another way that I'm trying to reduce the stress produced in my body is through my workouts. So sometimes I love to do a really intense workout all the time. Like I am the person that I feel like I have to do a massive, massive type of sweat in order to actually see results. But In reality, that's putting so much stress on my body and it's making me more inflamed. It's raising my cortisol levels and it's just overall not good. So instead of doing massive hit workouts every day. I've tried to focus a little bit more on walking and also on Pilates. As we know, hot Pilates is my new shit. I love it so much, but it's very minimal impact. And then I also am trying to just be more mindful of how many days a week I'm working out. So i really like to push my body that's something that i love to do i love to work out all the time and push it literally until it's about to break down and that is so unhealthy for me so i'm trying to incorporate more rest days and more days to really like calm my body like days to calm myself and to ground myself and to try and reduce my stress Another thing I think you need to do in order to kind of beat this fatigue that you're feeling is make sure you're getting enough sleep, like make sure that you are sleeping enough hours. And if you have to go to bed at 8 p.m. One night just to kind of catch up on that sleep so that you wake up the next morning feeling refreshed, then do that. That's so important. Make sure that you're getting enough time for your body to regenerate and recuperate and ultimately feel better. Okay, last thing that I'm going to say about this, but another thing that I think you should take into account is cutting down on alcohol if you do drink alcohol, and also trying to cut down on processed foods. I have read that there's a whole list, I mean, you can Google it, but there's a whole list of foods that are very optimal for combating this adrenal fatigue, and things like lean meats and certain veggies are really good to help your body sort of regulate again and regulate this cortisol level that you have. And so you can Google it. I'm sure there's TikTok videos on it too that kind of say some of the best things to be eating during this time. But I'm really trying to focus on cutting back on processed foods and alcohol. And when I say cutting back, I'm not going to completely eliminate them. I can't. I literally can't. We know that I have kind of a bad mentality around food sometimes so I don't want to completely cut things out but I will be more mindful on how much I'm consuming and I will try and make sure that I'm doing it in a proper way so that I'm able to fight this fatigue because the literal worst thing in the entire world is when it's 3 p.m. and I'm so exhausted and my eyes can't stay open and I'm like I have so much shit I have to do I need to get through this but you're just your body's just not cooperating your body's just not able to keep going so I'm really going to prioritize this I think you should too Try some of these things that I'm suggesting. Let me know if they help in any way. I want to say give it like two weeks and see if there's a difference, but hopefully this helps. Girlies, when you're first starting a business, you have enough to worry about. The stress is overwhelming and there's absolutely no reason you should be adding any more. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and they are the global force behind Allbirds, Linen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. As a WTTC listener, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash WTTC all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com WTTC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, shopify.com WTTC. Okay, girlies, we are talking about our favorites once again. If you've ever had an embarrassing BO moment, Lumi is here to help. Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. Lumi delivers outrageous 72-hour odor control from everywhere, including your pits, your feet, and yes, even your privates. And fun fact, but it was actually a patient's concern about their private odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. I currently have the toasted coconut deodorant, and let me tell you, it is my absolute favorite, and it smells so good. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers, and it comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off their starter pack. Use code WTTC for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com, that's WTTC at L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. Okay, so next question is all things starting your clothing line, manufacturers, branding, funds, etc. So I have an episode on this where I kind of talked about why it started. So I'm not going to get like too deep into it. But I will say it's definitely still a learning curve. I'm definitely still growing with it. I'm changing manufacturers all the time. I am changing our branding all the time. And I've actually never sourced out external funds for Helfridge Collective. That's something that I might end up doing in the future. Everything that is in Helfridge Collective is stuff that I've put in myself and stuff that my parents, who I love so much, have helped me a ton with. And everything Health Collective makes goes right back into the business. So we're able to be self-sufficient now because of the amount that we're bringing in, the amount that we need to produce everything. Obviously, I'm not getting a paycheck or anything yet, as we all know. But maybe in the future, I'm going to actually end up going to VCs and going to investors and pitching and all of that. I just kind of have this mentality that I want this to be my own company and I want this to be my own brand. But I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if that's something that I'm going to end up doing. But a lot of other companies actually end up crowdsourcing. They end up going to VCs or going to investors. And that's how they get the money to start their business. In terms of everything HC and everything manufacturing, the biggest piece of advice I can give is just do your research and do a lot of trial and error because a lot of the time, You need to actually see things and you need to go through things in order to learn. There's been so many times that I've done something and it hasn't worked out or it's been a huge failure or or it sucked. And I had to take that and be like, okay, but why did this suck and how am I supposed to change it for next time? And I think that that's the best way to learn and the best way to grow. So just do as much research as you can, but obviously you're not going to know everything and it's definitely a learning curve. Okay, next question is how to handle being in a relationship with someone who struggles to communicate after an argument. He tends to like move on right away, but I need to talk it out. And then they said, we are very happy just have that one problem. We can never figure out how to properly deal with it. So I think that this is a very common thing in relationships. I think there's always one person that needs to talk it out more. And there's one person that sort of wants to let it go. Dean and I are the exact same. However, he's the one who wants to talk it out more. And I'm actually the one who wants to kind of brush it off, which is very weird because I actually was never that type of person. And now I am. But I think the best thing to do is to sit down with your partner and explain to them that in order for you to feel better after an argument, you want to talk it through. And talking it through is actually a really, really good thing. It's a really good thing because it shows you how to communicate better, but it also helps you resolve the conflict so that in the future, if this were to come up again, you know how to handle it a lot better and you're not holding on to any resentment because you never actually fully talked it through and saw both sides and talked about your feelings. So what I honestly would say and something that Dean actually did for me was don't do this when you're in an argument. Do this at a separate time that maybe you guys are doing really well, maybe like just not in that angry state at each other. But sit down with your partner and literally say, hey, Whenever we get into an argument, I want to be able to talk it out after I want us to be able to work through it. I want us to be able to have this good communication and basically explain to them why you want this and why this is so important to you. And if your partner truly values you and truly values who you are, they will listen and they will understand and they will try next time to be able to talk it through because they know how much it means to you. Sometimes when someone gets in an argument, they do need a few minutes or a day to kind of cool off, and then they're able to come back and talk it through. And if that's how your partner is, you also need to respect that. You also need to respect that maybe they're not able to fully communicate the way that they're feeling right in that moment. And you need to be able to give them a little bit of time to collect their thoughts, ground themselves, and be able to come back and actually fully express the way that they were feeling. Not everyone is able to express how they're feeling in that moment. And so it's really important that you guys have this conversation and understand what each other needs and then be able to find some sort of middle ground and find a way to respect what both of you require when you have an argument, because like I said, maybe they are willing to talk it out, but they just need a little bit of time to process it first. Then give them that time to process it. And next time you get in an argument, you'll know this. You'll know that that's what they need. So you can take a step back. You can calm your anxiety because you know you're going to talk it out. You know that you're going to be able to work through it. You just need to give them their 10, 15, 20 minutes to Take a deep breath and collect their thoughts. And then you know that you guys are going to come back together. You're going to talk it through. You're going to work through it and you're going to move on. So I honestly just think having that conversation when you're not in an argument, have it at a time when everything's great. Having that conversation, understanding what each other needs is going to be extremely, extremely beneficial. And then keeping that in the back of your head next time you have an argument and knowing that this is how they process it. This is how they need to work through it first. And you respect that. And then your partner should also... Be respecting the fact that you do need to talk it out and it might not have to be right at that moment, but they are going to have to sit down with you at some point and talk through the argument and if they're not able to do that, then I think that's when we have a little bit bigger of an issue because both parties in this relationship should respect what the other person needs. And that's a really difficult thing to do honestly because what I need might not be what my partner needs and what my partner needs might not be what I need. And so putting your own pride aside and putting your own needs aside to be able to respect the other person and what they are requiring in an argument is very difficult. But once you do that, that's when the communication gets a lot better. That's when the arguments get less frequent. That's when you can really talk through these arguments and prevent them from happening again. So I honestly think just having a lot of respect for each other in a relationship is extremely important. So sit down with your partner, have this conversation, see how it goes. And that way, next time you guys get in an argument, you know exactly what each other needs, you know exactly how each other is going to process the situation. And then you're able to take that time and have that talk through and communicate it when the timing is right. Okay, next question. It says, I'm in high school and a content creator and podcaster, but I'm really struggling with one, imposter syndrome, and two, not having the motivation to keep going because I'm not seeing growth and there isn't anything forcing me to create content. I don't have to do it. I rely on consistency as much as possible, but I just don't know if it's worth it. I put hours into my content and only receive some views and likes that aren't converting into follows. Plus, my Reels reach has dropped dramatically in the last two-ish months. Okay, so one, I will say (laughs) being a content creator is actually very difficult and getting people to follow you and getting people to engage with your stuff is actually really, really fucking hard. And I agree with you that there's nothing forcing you to do it. No one's forcing you to do this. No one's forcing you to make podcast episodes. No one's forcing you to create content. But if this is something that you want, you have to be your biggest motivator. And I've talked about this before, and I just had a podcast episode come out about motivation when you feel like your hard work isn't paying off because we've all been there and we all probably are still currently there. I'm definitely in that stage right now, too. But you have to remember your why. You have to remember why you're doing this. You also have to trust in the fact that your hard work is going to pay off. You're not putting in this hard work for nothing and you will be rewarded at some point, it just might take a lot longer. And I've also said in my podcast episode, that a lot of people quit before they reach that point, because it gets so mentally taxing, because you're putting stuff out, and you're putting your all into everything. And you're not seeing the conversions, people are going to give up, and people are going to stop. And the ones that are successful are the ones that keep going. So Yes, of course, there's nothing forcing you. And especially if you're not seeing that external validation, it's very, very difficult to keep going, but you have to be the one to motivate yourself no- is going to be the motivation for you. And I honestly think you need to sit down and you need to write out your reasons why you're doing this. You need to write out the reasons why you love doing this. Because if you don't love doing it, then I'm of course I'm gonna say don't do it. If you don't love doing it, and it's something that we thought would just be kind of like a quick money sort of situation, or we thought that it would turn into something better. But if you don't love the process of it, then stop doing it because you only want to be doing stuff that you actually genuinely love but if you do love doing it and you're just not seeing that hard work pay off yet then sit down and write out why you're doing it sit down and write what parts of it you love because you need to have some sort of intrinsic motivation because externally it's not going to suffice. But I also want you to realize that you're not alone in this feeling. I have this all the time. I literally have this all the time and like you said, you reply on discipline as much as you can. And I do the exact same thing. Sometimes I don't want to record podcast episodes. Sometimes I record one and it doesn't do well. And I'm like, why am I even doing this? I have a new collection coming out for health rich collective. And I had a whole breakdown thinking why am I even doing this if no one's going to buy it. School, same thing. We all go through it. We're like, why are we busting our ass to not end up getting the grades that we want or to not get into the schools that we want or the programs that we want? And we all go through this. And like I always say, life ebbs and flows. So sometimes something's going to pop off and it's going to do extremely well. And you're going to see that reward of your hard work. And sometimes you're not. And The thing that differentiates the people who are successful and the ones who aren't are the ones that push past that feeling of I should just give up, I should just quit, I'm not seeing any benefit. And they're the ones that know deep down, I am meant to do amazing things. I am doing amazing things. My hard work is going to pay off at some point. So I'm just going to keep going. And honestly, their hard work is going to pay off but you got this. Keep going. Keep hustling. Keep putting out content. Keep recording podcast episodes. Keep working hard at school and you will see a result and you will see a benefit from it, but it might just take a little bit of time. Okay, next question says, are you into astrology? So Yes and no. I do think I'm into astrology. I do like reading my horoscope and that sort of thing, but I don't know the characteristics of every single astrology sign and I wouldn't ever base a friendship or a relationship or anything on their astrology sign, if that makes sense. Okay, wait, I'm gonna look up my astrology sign and characteristics and I'm gonna read them and we'll see if it's actually if it actually falls in line. So I'm an Aries which let me see okay so it says what is the personality of an Aries and it says at their core Aries do things their own way they are unafraid of conflict highly competitive and honest they throw themselves at the world eagerly and without fear Aries are driven by a desire to prove themselves and their strength they have high energy and are competitive and ambitious they naturally take charge because they are good at initiating new projects They can also be impatient, but are naturally active and don't like to waste time. While Aries like competition, they don't like to play games. They are highly self-aware, have strong opinions, and are always ready to defend them. (laughs) That is literally, that is literally me oh my gosh that's so wild yeah that's I feel like I'm an Aries through and through to be honest and a lot of the time when I meet someone so this actually happened at work the other day I met someone and they asked what my sign was and I said Aries and they were like oh my gosh I wouldn't have guessed that you were an Aries but it's because they don't know me yet and once you actually get to know me you know how I am and you know that I'm super impatient I'm very competitive I always want to be the best at everything I can do and I really think I actually fully embody Aries and I know that Aries kind of get a bad rep sometimes because it's like a fire sign and we're like a little hot-headed and I agree but I do love being an Aries. I do love it and I'm so I'm so into it. Okay, I want all of you to send me a DM and send me what your astrological sign is and then send me if it actually represents who you are as a person. Because Dean is on the Libra Scorpio cusp. His birthday is October 24th and he definitely acts more like a libra than he does a scorpio like he is the most kind gentle person and him and my mom act the exact same and my mom's a libra and i honestly don't think dean represents any part of a scorpio Actually, I take that back. He is a very sentimental and emotional type of person, which honestly is really hard to find in a man. And we really, really love it. But he's not harsh or abrasive in any way, shape or form. Okay, so send me your astrological signs. Send me the description of the personality and then tell me if it actually represents who you are. Okay, this next question is about IUDs and birth control the effects of coming off of it, the pros and the cons. So I actually also have a full episode about my birth control journey, but I will give you a little spark notes (laughs) recap of it right now. But basically I've only ever been on the pill. I started on the pill when I was probably 15 because my periods were so bad to the point where I would literally not be able to go to dance. I wouldn't be able to go to school. I would feel like I was going to pass out and they were super super heavy and I went on the pill obviously was not having sex because we know it took me a hot minute to get to that point so was on the pill for a really long time and once I was kind of like 18 19 20 I started noticing that the pill was not working as well just because my period would come super irregularly. And when I did get my period, I would be bleeding really, really heavy for a really long amount of time. And there was one point where I literally was bleeding for months. Obviously, it would kind of go on and off, but I would be literally bleeding for months at a time. And I was like, this isn't normal. I shouldn't be bleeding three out of four weeks of the month. And I went to a whole bunch of different doctors. I went to a doctor in the States because I went to school in Arizona and she gave me a prescription for a new birth control pill. And it was such a high dosage of the hormones that it actually wasn't even legal in Canada because of the side effects it could have. And I went on this pill for a while. It still wasn't working. I felt very out of control. I felt very out of control in my body. I felt like my hormones were all over the place. I was having crazy mood swings where I would just snap at people. Like I would snap at my boyfriend. I would snap at my mom and I would say to them, I know I'm acting like this. I know that this is like happening, but I can't control it. Like I feel bad that I'm getting so angry at everyone, but I don't know how to stop it. And so finally, it got to a point where I went to my OBGYN in Edmonton and I basically explained to him the situation and I said, I need to go off of it. And he was like, yeah, we're taking you off. So I stopped cold turkey. I literally just stopped taking my pill. And for a few months, it was a little rough. My body was releasing all these hormones that had been built up since I was 15, my skin started breaking out like crazy. I had really bad cystic acne, especially around like my cheeks and literally nothing would get rid of it. I tried all these different face washes. I tried all these different things to try and get rid of it, but it was literally just my hormones were trying to detox out of my body. And after a while, I've been off of it for now, probably like three years, I think it is a lot better. My skin is a lot more clear. It's a lot better, but getting through that, (laughs) that little period where my skin was horrible really sucked. I mean, it was like inflamed and it hurt. So that part wasn't great, but coming off of it, I felt more like myself. I felt more in control of my emotions, more in control of my body. I didn't feel like I don't even know how to explain it. But when I was on the pill, I felt like I was almost a visitor in my own body. Like I just could not control what was going on. And I don't like that feeling. And For some reason, my body just did not react well to the pill. It did when I was younger, and then at a certain point, it just kind of stopped. But a lot of people actually love being on birth control. A lot of people, it's helped them a ton. I know people that have had IUDs that love it, people that get the depot shot, and they love it. But for me personally, it just did not work with my body and I just didn't want to keep trying at that point. I was like, I have kind of had enough. I need to just go off of this and see what happens with my body on its own. And I was really nervous coming off of it that my periods would be horrible because obviously that's the whole reason I went on them in the first place. And my doctor even said to me, he was like, you're not 15 anymore. You're not 15 anymore. You're like 22 and your body has changed. So what your body was doing at 15 might not be the same anymore. So he's like, let's take you off. Let's see what your body does. Let's see how your periods are and we can go from there and we can assess from there. And ever since I went off, my periods are super regular. I track them in an app called flow and they're literally pretty bang on every month. There's really no discrepancies in when it's going to come. It's not too painful anymore. Of course, I have like the first or second day where it kind of hurts and I will take some Tylenol or I'll use a heating pad, but it's not to the point where I can't go out anymore and do anything. And of course, being off the pill, you have to take extra precautions when it comes to sex. So always keep that in mind. But for me personally, not being on any birth control now has been the best thing ever. Again, everyone's bodies are so different. I kind of go into it a little bit more in the podcast episode, So go listen to that if you want to. But it was the best decision I ever made. Okay, the last question I'm going to answer says, I'm wondering if you could give me strategies for helping with FOMO and overthinking. I have two best friends where all three of us hung out all the time and did everything together. But since they both live closer, they have been hanging out more together without me. They post Snapchats and photos on Instagram. The whole situation gives me really bad FOMO. I feel left out or that they don't want to be my friend anymore overthinking about the situation has been taking over my life I can't even sleep I even decided to erase snapchat so I didn't see them hanging out I've talked to them about the situation they obviously clarified that they don't hate me and I won't lose them but no matter what I still have these feelings okay first I'm very proud of you for talking with them about the situation and honestly Groups of threes are very difficult. I've always found that they were very difficult, but what I've learned is that friendships do change. Friendships are inevitably going to alter and change a little bit, but if you had this talk with your friends and they've assured you that they obviously still want to be your friend, they obviously still want you to be a part of the friend group, and they obviously still love you, then you need to take that at face value for right now. You're going to drive yourself crazy if you're constantly thinking that something's going to happen. And I honestly think you just need to really trust in your friendships. And of course, you can reach out to them more, you can schedule FaceTime calls with them, you could maybe go for a trip and visit them, you can invite them to come see you, you could call them and talk with them for a few hours during the day and just make these little efforts to stay close to them because a lot of the time when this sort of thing happens, the biggest worry is that you're going to drift apart. So putting in that effort is really, really important and I know that it's really tough to see your friends hanging out without you. I know and I get it but you also need to find other ways to either have fun by yourself or have fun and make some new friends. I think also when we kind of have a friend group or we have a few close friends, we feel like that's all we should have and we should put all of our effort into those certain people. But it's also a great opportunity for you to expand your network and to meet new people because you don't have that safety net with you anymore. When I was in undergrad, I had two best friends and the three of us hung out together all the time. And I ended up graduating and they both had one more year left. And I would always see them posting together, they would go to parties together. Even now that they graduated, the two of them are much closer than I am to them. And that's just kind of the way that life happens. Of course, I was sad about it at first, but I was also very secure in our friendship that it never really gave me a ton of anxiety. But Since I graduated and I started to kind of move on from that undergrad life, I was able to meet new people. I was able to make a new friend group. I was able to network with new people. I was able to go out and introduce myself and make new friends in different areas that suited my life better at that time. And I feel like this is an opportunity for you to grow and obviously I'm not saying to get rid of your friends. Obviously still put an effort in still hang out with them but trust in your friendship trust in the fact that they are telling you that you're obviously still going to be close. But friendships can change over time. The dynamics can change. And you might go out and meet someone who is better suited for whatever phase of life that you're in right now. And so try your best to not have this FOMO. Try your best to put yourself first and to do things that you love to do and things that make you happy. Because the happier you are, the less you're going to dwell on what other people are doing and the less FOMO you're actually going to end up feeling. So try your best, put yourself first, trust in the friendship, of course, but do things that make you happy, things that you love to do, expand your network, meet new people and just see how that goes. I hope that helped. I don't really know if that helped. I hope it did, but I understand that FOMO, especially when it comes with friends and friend dynamics and the shifting of friend dynamics as you get older is extremely, extremely difficult, but it's part of life and it's something that happens. And trust me that you will align with people who are right for you and If your friends are telling you, you have nothing to worry about, then trust in that, keep in contact with them and keep making an effort and being close with them. But of course, make sure that you're making yourself your number one priority. Okay, so those are all the questions I'm going to answer today. I hope you guys loved our third collective episode. As always, make sure that you submit any write-ins that you have. I'll put the Google Doc link down in the description, and I will catch you guys in Wednesday's episode. Bye!